The idea is this theme of bringing back high expectations and, and great opportunities that are geographically and financially accessible. The days of Navy Pier are over, but the days of Pizza Street Chicago have begun and opportunities abound now. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. Our holiday break is over, and we're back with a new episode. It's Mike Powell, Executive Director of Beat the Street Chicago. Before that, he was a Hall of Fame coach at OPRF, just outside the Chicago city limits, winning multiple state titles for OPRF. Hope you enjoy this episode, folks. We'll see you next week on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace! Coach Powell, welcome back to the podcast, man. Great. Really feel lucky to be here. It's incredible what you guys have been doing here. I mean, we're at the Beat the Streets facility here. This was self-funded, two million bucks, all private donations. And yeah. I remember we did, we did our first interview here. This was bare bones in here. Now it's like full, full-on facility. You guys have outgrown it a little bit, too. Yeah, we, we had to rent an office next door, so our office is now our tutoring room. So this cla- the 180 engineering classroom that we're in right now is uh, is full to the max, so we're, we're spilling over into the other room. It's a good problem to have. Nice. Our vans are full, our, our facility's full, and it's, it's quiet now. Only Morton Junior College is here, but, but if you come here at 6 o'clock tonight, there'll be hundreds of people. So How many kids, not just in this facility, but in Chicago, are you guys working with now? We will serve well over 3,000 this year, so... And we're trying not to grow. So this year is about organizational excellence. We hired a bunch of people, make sure they're learning their jobs well. Uh, but it's hard not to grow. Um, people want to people want to be involved, and we're it's it's you know, we've got a lot of momentum. So we just added a new major location at Tri Taylor University or at uh, Saint Ignatius. Okay. Um, so they bought the bank across the street from there, and we're very close to their program. You know, they got our best girl Gigi, and um, we're very close to Coach Sanchez and his team, and they come here and they train with us. So um, nice. We'll have a kids club there. We'll have an off season there. It'll be it'll be pretty cool. So they bought the bank across the street, like, and turn into a little facility or what? Yeah. The, huge weight room for the football all, all athletic teams whole rowing thing we did a whole tour and then the wrestling team's going to get the basement um we found a, a beat the, very generous beat the streets and saint ignatius booster who's going to help with the build out and uh, it'll be it'll be great i mean saint ignatius is the harvard of chicago mm-hmm. you know it's it's the pinnacle so f- to help our kids get 
to a place like that would be really special. And if they don't, you know, Phoenix Military is right up the street, Chicago Hope's right up the street, so we're really close to a lot of the programs there. And you guys just put up a new mural. I know it's been up for about a month or two, but public dedication coming soon. We'll do a video of it before we head out, but tell us a little bit about the mural. So the mural is, we're really excited. It took a long, it was a much harder undertaking than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, Justin Ames came on from Elmhurst, and he really made it happen this summer. So he went, he was, you know, driving to people's houses, meeting with them in, the, in their living rooms, looking through pictures, scanning pictures. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a, from about the time... Chicago wrestling went from being like Irish and Polish Catholic, you know, to predominantly brown and black. That's when we started, you know, searching for for the history of Chicago, mm -hmm. essentially. We want our kids to walk into the building, see somebody that comes from their neighborhood that looks like them, who they can relate to, who's gone on to do great things in the sport, who's gone on to get college degrees, who's gone on to become what we call life champion. And, you know, if you see it, you can be it. And so the goal there is to create a kind of a new and an old. So Mr. T was an All-Stater, third for Dunbar High School, I think 1974 or something. You know, Seriously? Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe he 73. Up He's up there. So do you I, I, I actually, I'm connected to a guy who's connected to him, so I'm trying to get to him to get an invite to come to the mural celebration. <laughs> so it would be, be really cool if he was. Wow. In his Instagram bio, it says, uh, footballer, wrestler, and pityer of fools, or something like that. You know, actor, footballer, wrestler. But so he says wrestler, you know. Wow. Um, he was a bad dude, like legit bad dude back in the day. To be third in the state, you know, mm -hmm. is, 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 that was 2A, so they were, they were, you know, 1A, 2A, they were 2A. That's legit. So that, the, the, that was Ernie Thompson was the coach at, at Dunbar then. He coached Ozzie Porter, Doc Townsell. Uh, I think what's, I think Eric Wetzel went there. Um, so some great guys, Ozzy Porter and Doc Townsell, Richard Townsell. Mm -hmm. He wrestled at Northwestern. Ozzy wrestled at Eastern. Ozzy was a junior national finalist. Um, and obviously Rich's son, Gabe, wrestled for me. So I'm real close with those two guys because they came in and beat up on me um, when I was in high school. So my, my high school coach said, I got this kid, he's wild, uh, but he could be good. Would you, you, know, would you help him? Right. And I, I was you know, 300% better in February than I was in November because of those two guys, and they worked me. Um, so so the, I, it, we, I have a lifelong relationship with them. But back to the mural yeah. and how this relates. These guys are from Dunbar, they're from the south side. Doc, I think, grew up in Leclerc Courts. I know Ozzy's some, from somewhere in the south side. And they were a bus ride away from having access to the Mayor Daly Wrestling Club, which before USA Wrestling Forum was like the Penn State of freestyle wrestling. They won like 10 or 11 AAU national championships in a row. They had umpteen Olympians, world team members, world champs. So you could walk into Navy Pier before it was Navy Pier as we know it. It was a big field house on the end of the pier. There was a boxing ring, a basketball court, and a couple of wrestling mats. You could sign your name on a piece of paper and work out with NCAA champs, be coached by Terry McCann, NCAA champion, or a, um, he was an NCAA champion, but he's an Olympic champion. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's, if you were a city kid and you were ambitious, you had a home, you had a place to go, you had, a, you know, and, and so those guys grew up there and they got, they were good. So the history of that mural is all these guys that came up in, in the Navy Pier, in the, in the Mayor Daly Wrestling Club. So that's where Ernie Thompson brought his guys. That's where um, Greg Brooks brought his guys. My guy, uh, Norm Parker, was my head coach at Oak Park. He coached at Lakeview before he was at Oak Park. So he had a, he had a Puerto Rican Olympian, a guy named Carmelo Flores, who became a mentor of mine. Wow. Carmelo grew up going there. When, when Parker got to, 
to Oak Park, he, he would take Johnny Jura and Tim O'Brockta to Navy Pier. These guys became, you know, John Jura was mm-hmm. Tbilisi champ. You know, he's a total stud. Um, and, and this was all at the Mayor Daly Club out of yeah, Navy Pier. and if you were ambitious, it was free. I mean, you think about how different that is now. And this is nothing against Izzy. Izzy's our guy uh, in, in Illinois. He runs the best club in Illinois. You need a lot of dough. You need a mom with a minivan. You got to travel 45 minutes. She's got to pack your, your, your lunch, your, your dinner ahead of time. Make sure you're doing your homework in the back. And then she waits there while you practice and she drives you home. That, like, that doesn't exist in the city. And the free opportunities, and this is, no, again, nothing against Izzy. This is the way sport is going. It's gone from free and accessible geographically and financially to pay-to-play, exclusive clubs. And if you want to be good, you have to belong to those clubs. And, you know, I mean, I, the guy, Joey Gunther traveled an hour and a half from Libertyville to work out at Oak Park when he was in high school. I was going to say, what you just described is like every every parent I knew growing up, their mom would take them wherever they needed. You know, parents were big. and like. But a lot of kids, you're telling me some of the stories off air of some of these kids in here. It's like, I don't think people realize the reality of what it's like to be a kid in some of these impoverished neighborhoods in Chicago, whether it's west side, south side. It is like, you can't even imagine. How it's horrible. a totally, it is, it is, like I'm five years into this. I grew, you know, half my guys are from the west side in Chicago. I taught the alternative school. They were all born and raised in, in, on the west side. I didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, the, the obstacles to becoming a successful human, not just an athlete, but a successful human in some of these neighborhoods in the school system. It's rough, man. I mean, it is rough, rough. You have to be Monica Griffin to be Monica Griffin. You have to be a really special person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you, know, you look at some of these kids that are coming up. We've got a Morton Junior College right outside here, a bunch of kids from Kenwood and some other schools. These guys are really special kids. Mm-hmm. And they just, they, they found, you know, I'm going to cling to Carlos Latimer at Kenwood Academy because I know he's going to take me places. And Carlos is the only city coach I know who got the okay to put kids in his car and drive them around. And, you know, you have to get your principal to sign off on I'm it because you can't do that stuff. Our first interview, episode 100, you go, IHSA said you can't put kids in your car. That's the worst rule I've ever heard. One hundred percent is. You know who yeah. it hurts. It doesn't kids. hurt the parent with two, two, you know, kid with two parents and two cars. It hurts the one, the single parent household, mm-hmm. the low income places. It hurts yeah. the inner city. And so, so back to the, the mural and why, how it's connected to Navy Pier and the, and the Mayor Daly Wrestling Club. As Mayor, the Mayor Daly Club went away, so, and, and, and education changed, funding changed. Opportunities change. You know, the YMCA is barely a thing. You know, there's there's just this this opportunity just kind of went away in the city. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like if you think of a food desert, it's an athletic desert. It's an opportunity desert. It's not just athletics. It's everything. You know, any kind of extracurricular, acting, in its singing. Own way. Like, and that, what's that? Like, you're just the kids in somebody's neighborhood don't have access to healthy food outside of corner stores. Is yeah. that is that basically yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. You, you there is there. There are opportunities to play sports. They're just not very well done. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of them are, are terrible. And so, and, and I'm, sure there, I'm sure there are groups out there that I don't know, so I'm not, this is not a blanket statement. Um, but as those dried up, what you saw is the Mr. T's, the Doc Townsells, the Eric Wetzels, the Ozzy Porters. Walt White was third in the state for Harlan High School. I got to tell you this story before I finish this Please. other story. Him and his teammates would take the bus to Woolworth, because it was the only place with a scale. They would strip down to their skivvies and cover each other up while they stripped down so that nobody could see. This is, Woolworth is like a department store. 
It's like going into Sears. I thought it was like a high school. So they had those oh. giant Toledo scales that you put a nickel in, and they and they would as many guys could weigh in as possible on that one nickel until the time was up. That's how they checked their weight on Friday before a tournament. What? I mean, these kids were dedicated to the things that they did. Now, shooters take the bus, shooters ride the bus, shooters ride the L. Kids aren't allowed to ride the bus anymore. People are afraid to take public transit. It's just. So there's just this combination of like lack of resources, lack of good coaching, you know, and that's changing very rapidly. Some great coaches in Chicago now, but um, so what you have, what you have is this kind of hotbed in the '70s and '80s. Uh, I mean, they had, the, this, the city would have multiple place winners every year. They had mm-hmm. they had state champs, everything else, and then there's a period of about 15 years where outside of Bowen and a few, uh, you know, Elaine Tech and a few programs that had really special coaches at it. Um, you just, just kind of dried up. Yeah, you just yeah. don't see it in the history books anymore. And, and so, so the mural brings a lot of those guys back to life, right? I mean, you look at this. Yeah, and we want our crazy. kids to know this is possible in the city. We are doing it. It's not possible. We're doing it in the city. Yeah. We're going to have, I mean, it, it, every year that we've, that since in the last five years, since kind of what we, the rebirth of Beat the Streets, we call it, um, the city's teams have gotten better. The overall wrestling has gotten better. We're not quite producing super high-end guys. We had a couple kids losing the blood round, a couple place winners last year. Um, but that'll you'll keep seeing that, you know, teams will be better and better. Chicago Hopes can be very good in the coming years. Mm. Brother Rice has some great kids of ours. Iggy's got some great kids of ours now. Lang Tech's getting a bunch of kids. DePaul Prep's getting a bunch of kids. Phoenix has a, a, a couple of our kids. Um, Lang Tech's a huge school. And I got a call from... I got a call from the back of the yards coach, a text from the back of the yards coach. He said, I've been doing this for 15 years. The first time I've ever had a kid walk up to me first week and say, coach, when does practice start? So, you know, we, man, we, you guys are doing it. I mean, yeah, and you look so. at where it's coming five years, it's in unbelievable. The, the growth you guys have made, the organization, and even looking at Fargo this year, I mean, I know you guys are building life champions, but you guys had two Fargo champs, all Americans. Had some, we had 31 kids, more importantly, go in, to Fargo. In Fargo. Yeah, I mean, we had we had more kids than most of the states. Right. You know, so... And you got so, 1,200, 1,300 USA card holders here. Yeah. I mean, that's got to yeah. be the biggest in Illinois by far. Uh, I think we're the biggest USA wrestling club in the country. Let's so, go. So, I'd love to hear so, that, man. And, you know, and again, this is... We grew very quickly, and now it's really about excellence. We're bringing in a lot of young coaches. We've started this thing called Coaches U. One of the things I realize is I'm thinking back to when I was 23 and I graduated college. I thought I knew everything, but I didn't know squat. Mm-hmm. And Niall Collins schooled me very quickly. I mean, there were some, some really important moments that he had with me that were very humbling. And I, you know, I just think about my growth as a as a coach, and I think about all the guys that fell off because they didn't have immediate success or didn't have the skills, and I was one of those guys that didn't have it. Luckily, I surrounded myself and was had some great mentors like Niall Collins, but I surrounded myself with really good people. Um, but what we're doing now is we have 14 guy, young coaches in this Coaches U right now who are, we're meeting bi-weekly, and we're talking about executive function. I'm talking about using your calendar, you know, yeah. planning ahead. As basic as that, all the way up to like deep and meaningful life impacting relationships. Um, wow. We're going to do a whole session on sports psychology because, despite the fact that some of these guys wrestled in Illinois, most of them are college wrestlers, they're still not very good at teaching, you know, sports psychology, and a lot of them don't have a very good hold of it. So, we'll, there's a lot there where we're going to try to accelerate these guys. We've got Alex Magical, you just met Justin Hames. They're up at Avondale, they're killing it up there. But the goal is to put dynamite guys um, that really are, are growing up in the, in the 
uh, the kind of vein of Mike Boyd and Alexis Rivera, Johnny Vega, some of these guys that we have that are that mm-hmm. are dynamite men and coaches. So um, you guys kind of organize it. You have this main facility here. You have these different sites throughout the city. Then you have like a site captain for each location. These are the coaches you're mentoring. But then you also have all of this enrichment and like this classroom stuff that I don't think people realize. Like what is like the, like who's the guy from Northwestern you just signed? Um, Lemke. Yeah. What's yeah. he doing here? Like, so what is like the enrichment so, program so, in the Life Champions? So Adam was wrestled yeah. for me. You know, he's, he's like six, seven. He's, he's awesome. <laughs> uh, played football at Northwestern. He was, he was one of the favorites to win state as a senior heavyweight, but he broke the growth plate in his toe and we, we held him out because he had already signed with Northwestern. So that's his background. He's been running a nonprofit down the street. So we've been meeting and we're waiting to get big enough to, you know, we basically created this position for him, but he runs the classroom after school. But he also runs the the organization and the support of what we call our 360 kids. So filter down from 3,000 kids all the way to about 90 kids. And these are kids that were involved with every aspect of their life, their home life, their personal life, their social emotional life, their school life, and and not just not just financial literacy and academic support, you know what I mean, but but co- high school readiness, college readiness. They're all a lot of them are part of our STEAM summer camp program, you know. Mm. So um, STEAM is STEM with arts now, okay, um, which pretty much I think is just all subjects. But okay. we, we have a, we have a STEAM <laughs> summer camp. It's three hour intensive, you know, particularly for the the kids that might experience that summer slide. Um, so, so it's not just bringing kids here and doing homework, and that's important, but it's also like some actual education on top of that. We're doing a lot of that, wow. and Adam is now so Layla Cleofi is our enrichment coordinator. Adam works for Layla. So he runs the after-school tutoring thing, bringing in, you know, each kid kind of gets what they need mm-hmm. in this in this 360 model. No, there's no way to like scale this, and it, because every kid is different. Every, you know, we have we have nine-year-olds, we have 22-year-olds. You know, Cam, who was on, it was 20, I think 23 or 24, he was on with us. We're in, obviously Duggan is his main guy now, but we're in regular contact with Cam. We want to make sure Cam is set up. We mm-hmm. want to make sure he's happy and healthy and, and productive at 28. Yeah. And so we're, we're um, there's, a, to succinctly tell you what we do is very hard, it's but very... we do a lot of off the mat stuff. We have a Life Champions Academy that meets 10 Sundays a year and does an enrichment workshop. And then we all eat, eat lunch together. And then we have an elite level clinician come in and do a, like an elite level workout. So the kids are here for five days. We're actually taking that off site next month, actually in a couple of weeks, uh, to an Alston construction site where we'll have, you know, they'll, they'll do some stuff with Alston construction in, in, as part of the workshop. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to drive down to that R13, the new, um, I, I haven't seen it, but apparently yeah. there's an amazing wrestling facility down there and have a workout down there. Where's this at? It's in Lockport. Oh, okay. So, okay, nice. So it, it, you just kind of change it up with the kids. Mm-hmm. But the, the goal is give them hard skills, you know, but, but experiences matter. Mm. Camaraderie matters. Family matters. Culture matters. Community matters. Probably more than hard skills. You know, the soft skills and the belonging and the the all that they all go they all go hand in hand when a kid is all in on beat the streets boyd can put really hold his feet to the fire you know or or or, or coach sammy can really hold her feet to the fire mm-hmm. when you're when you're 100 percent bought in on something and a lot of that is is kind of building that community and culture um wow. and that sense of belonging and then 
And then when you're in and you're DJ and you come in here and, and it, and you know, DJ's my like favorite kid in the world. Um, but when DJ's having a, a tough day, you know, there's tough love involved. That's not just, this is not just a safe place, right? So Adam builds this deep and meaningful relationship that the trilogy I call Trust, Love and Truth. Um, I love that. Is, is, you know, once that trust and love is established, let's get to the truth and let's start growing. And so we're constantly pushing these kids out of their comfort zone. We're supporting them, but we're also making sure that they are um, striving to achieve. And we're pushing them hard that way. And you're surrounding them with like people from all walks of life, right? Like you, you go on the construction site, you see people there, you're bringing these clinicians. It's in wrestling, it sounds like is a big part, but it's like, it's the vehicle, but there's so much other stuff going on just besides the wrestling. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like crazy to see some of the programs. I mean, you go to your website or just follow your Twitter. It's like all these updates are, it's like just, you guys are pushing the envelope here, the Life Champions program. You have the, the enrichment people. It's just amazing to do that. I mean. Thanks. We're, we're, no, it's, we're, it's we're, awesome. We're working, we're working hard at it. We're kind of figuring it out as we go. But, I, you know, I, I, this, this, after the national duels this year, we got to exhale a little bit. We had our gala and then we had the national duels. And we spent the next month gathering our numbers. And our, you know, we call in the nonprofit world metrics. You mm-hmm. know, how do you measure how kids are, you know, lives are being impacted? And it's profound. I mean, it is profound. You're talking about hundreds, you know, mm-hmm. many hundred kids whose lives are being, you know, permanently altered. It's and crazy so, though, because you, if anyone knows you, like you did this at Oak Park on a much smaller scale, right? You're you're picking up the Coleman's, you're you're picking up these guys and like really exposing them, taking them to Fargo, taking them hiking. And then now you're doing it with so many more kids. You got people under you. I mean, the amount of staff you guys have is crazy. I mean, you got yeah. coaches. I mean, I was telling you, one of my buddies was like, you youth coaches, you can't get a youth coach anymore. They're working for Beat the Streets. And we pay them. And that's great. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. They're like, they're we, paying we these pay them, good. we train them, and then we hold them accountable. I love so, it. So, you know, it's, I think there's... Yeah, there's a lot there. But what we're, like we're growing and we're learning. You know, I, I when I got into this over five years ago now, almost six years, um, I knew what I didn't know. And so we, you know, I went after Kathy Yen. I asked these she board so members, key. Paul Carberry, Tom Johnson, these, you know, starting board members who were, you know, just instrumental in teaching me about business, about, you know, D- Doug Baum has taught me as much as, you know, anybody. He's the guy that funded this place. But just talking to him about real estate, about mm. how he ran his business, talking to Paul about Paul's run multiple businesses, he's a private equity guy. Um, you know, th- so I've, I've learned a ton, and um, Kathy obviously has taught me a ton as well, and she's been an amazing partner. Um, what was the state of it when you first, like when you first got the call, hey, what was your first introduction to Beat the Street Chicago? My first introduction was... Dan calling me for a clinic that got canceled. I brought a bunch of kids. I think it was Dan. It was one of the Dans. But I brought a bunch of Oak Park kids to a clinic that had been canceled. Nobody told us. They said, would you come do this with us? Show the city kids. And I told our kids, like, we're going to do this. It's, this is our way of giving back. You know, we're going to go train these kids. And we showed up and there was nobody there. So I was like, these guys, you know, these guys are morons. And, you know, yeah. so, so, and that's nothing against Dan and Dan are great friends of mine. Um, but but it, it was just a hodgepodge group when I, when I actually took over. So how did that, how did you go from going to the clinic? You show up, no one's there. The gym's locked. We've all been there. And then... What, you, like a week later, you're like, hey, I want to be executive director. Be no, that was a couple years later. Dan Willis okay. called me and said, would you join a board call? And I had just told my wife that I wanted to, I was looking for a new challenge mm-hmm. in, in the sport. 
so this was like, oh, okay. So then I got on a call, a bunch of coaches like arguing and mother effing each other. And I got off and I'm like, Dan, I'm out. This is ridiculous. And he said, just come one, just come next month, just one more call. And so I, I ordered nonprofit for dummies. I showed up with a bunch of questions, some of which they had answers to, some of them they didn't. And at the end of the call, I just said, hey, guys, if you'll make me the executive director, I won't take a salary. And, um, but I think we can really build something special here. And, but I need, I need carte blanche to bring in some good people. This mm. is not going to be a wrestling club. It's going to be a, a, a nonprofit, you know, charity run organization that happens to produce a bunch of good wrestlers. So that's such key because like, it's not just like a guy's club or now a girl's club with all the wrestlers. It's, these are people like that aren't even sometimes involved with wrestling. And they just want to be a part of a nonprofit. I mean, of your yeah. office staff, are those all wrestlers or no? No, no. We actually don't. We we purposely don't go after wrestlers. You know, we want <laughs> people with business acumen. I mean, Adam's a different story, right? He's a, right. he's a graduate from Northwestern. He's a great dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of our people are wrestling people. You know, Pat no, Martinez is, is great. Yeah. You know, um, uh, but I think the I think the the crux of it is just finding the right people who are in it for the right reasons and get that this is more than a wrestling club. Mm-hmm. This is, you can be great at wrestling and be great at life. And the two are not exclusive. They actually go hand in hand. They just both need a lot of attention and energy. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a constant push and pull with that. If we're doing too much enrichment and the kids aren't getting math time, are they excelling the way we, you know, so, and, and, and you know, so Boyd's, hey, Hey, I need these guys training. And Layla's, you know, hey, these kids' grades aren't good. What are we doing about that? So it's this kind of, this kind of dance that we're constantly doing, um, particularly with what we call our high-impact kids. It's a little bit bigger, double the size, and then our 360 kids is how are we serving them best in the, in the needs that they want. And Boyd um, is Mike Boyd, who's the head coach for the men's team here? He's the head coach is of the men's Dixon's team. Dixon's still involved? Dixon is not. He's Indiana University oh, that's poached right, him. Yeah. Yeah. So out of that, Dixon was, was with us during a you know, really pivotal time and helped us grow into and see what we needed post-Dixon. Mm-hmm. And so we've hired, made a couple of, of hires. We split his job into several pieces. It's much bigger now, um, but there's a the, there's a Layla Cleofi is the enrichment coordinator. And Patrick Martinez, former world-class wrestler, is the um, uh, wrestling coordinator. And then Mike Boyd is our head coach. He's the leader of the coaches. Got it. And he runs, uh, you know, the the. And he wants to win. Like he's Boyd not. Boyd wants to win. He's not showing up just. Wait, wait, with... I told Boyd it, it is a very healthy thing that we got to pull you back from that every once in a while. You know what I what I told him early on is we should be fifth in the IKWF every year just because of sheer numbers. If we're ever the Harvey Twisters, we've become too exclusive. You know, it, it, and and. Um, our focus is will become too much on wrestling development and not much as as enough on human development. You know, human development. R. Kel Griffin is a freshman at Chicago Hope Academy. He's a stud. He's going to be very, very good. I mean, he has the potential to be a. I don't want to say it. I don't want to put that out there. I don't want to add Joe any Williams pressure. But no, but oh, yeah, but yeah, to go yeah. on to college, he could be a yeah. Division One wrestler. Okay. I don't care. I'm 47 years old. I've done that. I've been there. It doesn't mean anything. You know, if he if that's his desire, then I hope he strives for his goal. I want him to be a good person. I want him to be we we want him to be a productive person. We want him to get great grades. We want him to use wrestling to get into a college he otherwise wouldn't have got into because they really want him and they're going to stamp his his mm-hmm. application. If we can do that for Arkell, that's way better than winning state 
failing out. You know, how many of these guys do you know that are running around Chicago right now that were superstars, didn't finish college, they're working some job that they would rather not be working. You know, so I, we want our Keldo in his own home when he's 30 years old. It's crazy you know, so. when you're like, when you're coming up in middle school, you know, like you look at these guys, IKWF, it's like, and I want to mention any names, but there's like four or five that are coming to mind now, three-time IKWF state champ, three-time high school state champ, and you're like, these guys are going to be world beaters. And, you know, you just, for whatever reason, they didn't, didn't work out in college, they didn't even graduate, and then now you know they're, you know, they're doing something, right? So it's like, that, that story is very common in wrestling. Yeah. You see that a lot. And I think probably all sports, but we know wrestling, so that's what we relate it to. But it's like, do you think you would have had that same perspective at Oak Park as you do now, or were you more on the winning then? Because you were still building like- I was about, I mean, I, we did both. We talked a lot about character. We talked about how you treat women. We talked about how you live your life. How are you going to give back when you're older? We, you know, we talked about um, camaraderie and dedication and mm-hmm. giving your all to something. And, and so all those, you know, the soft skills and the community and all that stuff, that was there. The culture was there. Um, do I think we emphasize too much on winning? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, know, if, if, if I could go back, I think we actually would have been better if we focus less on winning. You know, you look at Kale. I was gonna say, now, do you think Kale does that? I don't think Kale mentions winning. Yeah. I think he mentions being great. I'm thinking, I don't know, but I study him as much as I can. I think he's, I might think he's a sage. Oh yeah. You know, I really do think he's, he's absolutely revolutionary for our sport. Um, so and I don't know different. what's happened in the background, go ahead. But like the, like the message the coaches, the high school and youth coaches got in the 80s and 90s from Gable was so different than the message you're getting now from Kale. You yeah. know, I'm like, the dominant coach at the time is gonna set the tone for everyone. You know, in Kale's messages, we've seen it, you know, the few interviews he gives at Nationals, the one last year, he's like, it's just a game. You yeah, know, and like, I don't yeah. think Gable would have said that. No. You know? No, it's like life or death. Right, then, right. And know? like, think about how much more tense you're going to be yeah. if it's life or death. Yeah. So we, I was, I, the sports psychology piece was a big piece for us. And we tried to have a lot of fun, you know, and, and, and we, we, you know, wrestle free, and we used all the terms, particularly at the end of my tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I think there's kids that I could have, you know, Isaiah White, we sat out almost his entire year because he had to get his grades up. And it was like one of the first really hard lines we ever took. I pro- we probably could have like coerced and negotiated Kamal into being eligible his junior year. How good were those guys? We drew man? we drew a line for that where it was like I think this will be better for Kamal's life if we don't bail him out here. Mm. It was his doing, and um, I think it paid off. I think I think sitting Isaiah out for I mean Isaiah barely wrestled as a senior in high school. So he, he was just murking people just, at that point. What's that? Was he killing people at that point when he did wrestle? Yeah, he was. I mean, he didn't have to try, but but he he. he he was in the tutoring room. We had one-on-one tutors. We had he had ACT class. You know, it was so we did plenty of that, particularly at the end of my tenure. But um, um, now it's a little bit more. Holistic. And I think our guys remember the moral, you know, the the ethical stuff more than and the community more than they do the wrestling. But I think I could have done a better job. So you know, so I think. But you guys did a good job of keeping the the connection because a lot of like guys will graduate from high school and they'll somehow get disenfranchised with their coach or their program and they're just they don't want anything to do with it they don't want anything to do with wrestling anymore they don't go back your guys like you could ask them whether it's colin rogers or Devontae mahomes these guys will do anything for you still so you guys well, really and, put in that and, time. and like those guys are family to me man yeah. for i mean i really mean that for life and so they, you know 
that's what we're trying to create here. Yeah. I think that's what we are creating here. And, you know, Boyd has a bond with a lot of guys like that. Sammy our, our Barrientos, our new uh, female hug coach, has, a, has she's connected with girls very deeply, very quickly. So I think, you know, Alexis Rivera is very close to people. Vega's got his guys. Alex has got his guys up north now. So I think that's, I think that's happening here, too. It's harder to do that on a grand scale when you're not their high school or youth, you know, their own, when yeah. you're not their only coach. Right, right. But we, I, I mean, the, the stories that we're getting from kids are speak to something really powerful. And then, like, let's say, like, you're a kid who, like, lives up by me on the north side. I literally live across the street from Lakeview High School. And so I'd be at the Avondale location. Do they get to come down here and see this facility ever? Oh, yeah, they're okay. invited. They, we had a match day on Saturday. Okay, so a bunch it. of them came down. They organized rides. They... You know, we if we have to, we'll send a, a van for them up there. You guys got a van right out there, man. We got two of them out there. This is so. like a this is like a standalone. Like the Nexus, it's like getting dorms like create that like a boarding school for don't, these don't, kids. Don't <laughs> it's, it's it's on the agenda. Is it? So, no. Not for the kids. Yeah. I want. Anyways, I've got some I got some grandiose ideas, but um, my favorite part about all this is that just like knowing like how you've progressed your career over the years is so amazing. Like, I mean, not in like the the accomplishments are one thing, but this is like. I, I'm not, what I'm thinking of is, I listened to our first interview, when you were running the alternative classroom. Yeah. And you pretty much had your own curriculum, you had a pecking order yeah, on the yeah, board. Yeah, yeah. Alpha to beta. And like if someone wanted to challenge, they had to fight. I mean like this right. is the kind of stuff you've been doing for years. I mean this kind of, uh, just you, you always look out for these kids that don't have anyone looking out for them. And like, you know what I mean? Like. When I was at school, the alternative room, like, no one even went there. It was, like, off limits. You didn't want to go there. And you were, like, taking those kids in. Yeah, so I, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's... How'd you get involved? That, that's what we're trying to do here. And this is, back to, like, kind of my uh, my evolution. Um, it's, it, the my journey in Beat the Streets has been the most... I've ever grown, you know, I, I, you know, it was, it was almost like the beginning of my, my tenure as a, as a head coach in varsity. I just learned so much in the first four or five years. Wow. Um, and really it's, it's a, it's a challenge. To how do you scale what was happening at Oak Park? How do you scale, you know, we could just function here in this facility, but we would miss, you know, how many neighborhoods in Chicago. Wow. And, and so we're in 31 locations this year and That's 29 insane. of them are in the city. Now, now, the, not all of them are high-impact sites. Some of them are just seasonal. You know, some of them only have 15, 18 kids in them. But um, what we're trying to do is exactly that. We're, we're trying to find any kid that wants to better themselves, that wants to belong to something. Yeah. And push them to become, some, you know, to build themselves into somebody that they wouldn't otherwise recognize. But even if they're not at this location, they're at one of the satellite sites, They have, that coach's stamp from you guys. You can't just spin up something on your own without coming through you guys and running it, right? Right. So, We're very, it, it's probably more tightly controlled now than it ever has been because quality matters. If you come out of Mike Boyd's practice or Alexis Rivera's practice, that's what Beat the Street should look like. Hmm. If you're a young coach and you're running a site and you're not at that level, you're going to be pushed until you are. Hmm. And so... Um, but there's no like, we, we don't start practice late. There's no like coaches with the shoes untied. Nobody sits on the wall. We don't like my rules at Oak Park are our rules here. <laughs> Boyd, you know, adopted all those rules. He runs a tight room. He's the standard, right? Mm -hmm. Sammy's the standard now. Mm -hmm. And the, the expectation, um, has to be set has to be citywide or as close to it as we can get. Yeah. Um, you can't, you're not just going to create another Mike Boyd. Right. Um, but um, 
the goal is to run every site in a very similar similar circuit uh, similar curriculum more you know same warm-up we start we end with a life lesson you know the, we do all of the same things in all of the same locations with the idea that excellence can be scaled that excellence can exist in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to just be romper room kids wrestling in their socks you know it can be really really high quality programming whether kids excel to become the next T.J. Williams or not, that's a different story. Right. Um, but that. But what we want them to do is is experience structure, consistency, and, and sky high expectations. And let me ask you about a few of your individual athletes now. The one that I got a couple I want to ask about. Number one, I didn't know she was part of this program. Tell me about this Morgan Turner. How how insanely good is she? She's she's like a, like Olympic caliber. My only worry for her is like don't wrestle too many boys. You know, don't get your shoulder busted up, you know, you've, you've read about women and their hip issues, and so there's, you know, keep her body and mind healthy, and I don't think there is a limit to how good she can be. She's tough, she's about business, she's, well, she's humble in the right ways, she's, in, she's just, she's incredibly well, she, she's, uh, she's coachable, she's just a really cool kid. And, and I, think, I, I think the best part about her is, you know, she was great when she got to us. Um, she's part of a family now. She's mm. part of a community. She came up to me after one of the first Life Champions Academy last year, and she said, you know, I've only ever gone to wrestling to wrestle. This is the first time I've ever done something like this, and it was it's really great to be part of this. And I was like, that is really meaningful. Wow. You know, she was, to a freshman in high school to be able to articulate that. And I sat with her mom the other day, and she said, you know, we're here because of Mike Boyd and because of the enrichment. Wow. She said, we don't have to be here. We, this this is this has been great. And her brother Nori, who's an all-stater as, as well, you know, had a great career, and he's at North Central now. I mean, she's going to be um, so good if she's not already. Where she's not going to have anyone to work out with in the state tournament and all that. She works out with boys. You really? She's uh, just. Yeah. If she wrestles the girls' state, it'll, you know, it's it'll, a joke. we'll be hoping. Yeah, but she's a world champion. We'll be hoping that she doesn't hurt people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's a. Uh, I had someone, someone reach out to me like two or three years ago when I was just on the top of my lungs talking about Kennedy Blades, and, and she's great, but someone goes, yo, there's this other girl coming up in Chicago, Morgan Turner, and like, look out. And it's she's, like, she's a special kid. Um, another one, also a girl, no one in the wrestling world is going to know who this is, but Monica, who, yeah. uh, man, like every time I've been in here, I've been here like probably once every year and a half over the past couple of years. I've seen her each time. I saw her at the duels we did, not the national duels, the, the Beat the Street City duels. I now see that she's now off to college. I mean, that's the kind of stories that I love, that this girl literally, you guys found her, she's in wrestling, now she's off to college. I mean, how's she doing? I want to check up on her. She's killing it. She's getting paid to go to school. You know, she's, so they found her some athletic grants, and she was number two in her class. Um, but it's this, she's a great example of, of kind of the path to becoming a life champion. Monica's the first person in her in her. In her um, family to go to college. Mm-hmm. She left a gaping hole in that in that home, you know, in their apartment. That she was her mom is is works and her mom is obviously the mom, but Monica is very much the matriarch of those, uh, you know, the co matriarch of of the kids as a high school. And it, yeah, just she's a born leader. She's just she's just high energy. She's very positive, particularly with her siblings. Um, but she's she's had her challenges at Augustana already. And we're oh, she's here. She's at Augie? Yeah. In the QC? That's a hard school. Yeah. She's, really it's a great school. school. Yeah. She wants to be the head coach and beat the street someday. She wants to be a teacher and a coach. Um, but we will support her all the way through. And we already are. 
like yeah. actively supporting her. We're in contact with her coach. And it is, it's very easy when you're the first kid to go to college for things to get tough and you to turn around. I mean, you know how many guys packed their bags and came home. A lot. And uh, a lot. that's not an option for Monica. So <laughs> she, that's, kind of, that's the type of tough love support she's got. Well, you're not coming home until you get that degree. Right. You know, and and um, and we'll help you. We'll support you, and we'll be here for you. We'll be here for your family. We're just Layla and I were just out to breakfast with the mom. Oh, really? And so, my mom's right there. I need to get her involved. She'd love to do some mentorship. She loves wrestlers. Tell her to tell her to take Monica out for dinner once. In a while. I actually will. <laughs> and that, that brings me to another point. I want to get back to some of the wrestlers, but you go to your website. There's opportunities to volunteer. Obviously, the number one way people can support get that checkbook out, folks. So I did this math earlier. If 3,000 ex-wrestlers in Chicago, and there's at least 3,000 ex-wrestlers, all got on today and donated $10 a month, it would make us $360,000 a year. Wow. So the, I think, I think if, you're not, if you're not going to volunteer, we're looking for drivers right now. We're looking for tutors. We are really looking for coaches. They could be one night a week. It could be guys that want to get paid and be actual coaches. But we have, remember, we have locations all over the city. So if you're going to grad school in Hyde Park, we got you. If you're up in, you know, you're in Lincoln Park, we're right down the street. So um, we're looking for those guys. But become, I think if you really want to be impactful, become a monthly donor. Monthly and, donor. Yeah, I mean, how many guys that are just graduated from a major university that are working their first job would miss $10 a month? Or $25 a month. I was going to say, know, $10 so. a month, like, that's, that's a beer. You know, mm -hmm. that's like, and people will do that, no problem. It's just, it's just, it's the, it's the friction of actually going on and doing it. Yeah. Because people hear this and they'll think they're going to do it. Just, just go do it. Just go do it. And then, and then as we know with any subscription, whether it's Hulu or Netflix, you don't even realize that thing's going. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, and that's the idea. So that, that the monthly recurring donations it's are will, if we can build that will drive a sustainable income for us for years to come and that's that's gonna it's a major issue so, edict for us this that's year. not even like three thousand is like that's a that's a small net like there's way more than that right that you know i mean we both know that yeah. of, like because like chicago people come here from all over right so there's wrestlers from michigan who get come here for a job right i mean there's pick, oh yeah so there's and there's a lot of people from this podcast listening, so like, you know, it's important that people support any way they can financially, 10 bucks a month. Most people got that if you don't. And I think more the volunteers, I'm thinking of like my wife's mom. She's about to retire. She doesn't have a lot going on. She, she feels... She could be an online tutor. That's what I'm saying. She can, she, yeah. yeah, so... And there's a lot of people listening that just want to be a part of something. Yes. You know, they just... Money's not an option. Time's not an option. They just don't feel like they're connected in any way. Because wrestling can be a little insular sometimes. So, like, this is a Absolutely. perfect place. And, and let's be clear. I know these are mostly wrestlers listening to this, but this we are an organization that does wrestling and so much more. Right. So if you want to be part of, of volunteering for... Uh, to help run events, we got you know we're, we mm -hmm. have that we have we really need people to drive and pick kids up from school because we pick kids up from school and bring them here. They study here with with Adam. That you know they have their grades checked here. They eat their meals here. Some of them do their wash here. Then they practice and then we drive them home. It's um, literally from three to nine. A lot of oh times. yeah, well I mean Nichelle, we we pick up DJ. We pick up at one thirty on Wednesday and Nichelle, we pick up at one thirty on Friday. So she's here from two o'clock till. Nine, 9.15. So, um, but anyways, there's there's ample opportunities. Yeah. We're looking for, for all different types of volunteers. And it's not even that, like, to me, I'm thinking, like, I was, you know, as a kid, I was obsessed with wrestling. So, like, I would have loved to be at a facility like this all the time. So, like, I'm thinking of 
at some point, you guys are going to start getting some of these suburban maniac parents. They're going to be bringing kids in here because of your clinicians. We already have them. You do, yeah. Because yeah. like this facility is so we we're, we're in a constant level. battle, and we we like that. We like the mix. We don't. There's been a hard line where the city starts and stops, and nobody from the burbs comes in, and nobody from the city leaves, and it's not healthy. That's not that's not the wrestling community, right? Right. You know. So we've blurred that line, particularly being in this neighborhood. This this was this neighborhood was was chosen for that reason. Got it. We're in, you know, the Argo Summit community. A lot of these are blue collar communities. Mm-hmm. LaGrange Park, right? So countryside. Some of these some of these communities are kids. There are plenty of kids. Brook, you know, uh, uh, Brookfield. Plenty of kids coming from single parent households. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll take anybody at take this anybody. point. But one of our things right now is we have a healthy mix between city and suburban kids in our high school club right now. It's, it's really healthy. Yeah. And, and, and we're very happy about it. We're very happy to serve all those kids. I love some that. of our... Our best stories are suburban kids right now. Some of our most difficult and best stories. Not most of them are city kids, but... It's almost like an RTC because, I mean, the average youth coach... I mean, the average, yeah, youth club coach in, like, the IKWF, there's your there's your awesome clubs that are dominating, but 80% of them are just guys who are coaching because their kids in there, or they maybe wrestle in high school. You guys have actual college wrestlers here who are coaching. You guys got some legit coaches. So yeah, yeah. it's Ro- like... Roblinski, the heavyweight from Illinois. There you go. He's here with his teammate, Josh Contreras, who wrestled for Boyd. Uh, you know, Alex Madrigal was a, was a three-time D1 qualifier. Uh, Justin Ames just graduated was a college wrestler. You know, we've, we've a whole crew of guys. And the one thing I wanted to bring up, too, one of my favorite people in wrestling, I saw Doug Schwab was here this summer, two-day yeah, clinic. Yeah, What's it like that, having, like... What's it like for Coach Schwab to come in and like do a cl- do a camp with some of these kids? Like, what's that experience like? I mean, it's exciting for us. Yeah, <laughs> you know? um, we have more. We, we years ago we didn't have wrestlers. We had kids that wrestled. Now we have wrestlers. So now it's far more meaningful to see Doug Schwab because they've seen him on Instagram and on Flow Wrestling. Yeah. So not for the first time in a long time. We've been bringing superstars in for for years. They don't know. I don't know who Joe Rao is. You know, they don't. They don't know who. You know, uh, uh, Yaya came in and did a thing for us. Like, dude, this dude's a Chicago legend. Yeah. They don't know who he is. Now a bunch of our kids do. So now they're signing autographs, and so that's. It feels a little bit like. Uh, there's a real wrestling community here, and these these guys are walking around with their their sweats tucked into their socks. You know? So they're they're real wrestlers. <laughs> I love now. that. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and we got some kids that are um, that really live the life. Yeah, that's great. It's it's so much going on here, and so much good energy in here, and like just all the kids. It's like it's like a real family in here. And I, I was reading your annual report. One of the things you saw that I caught my eye that you wrote first time I've seen it. Teddy Roosevelt, the strenuous life. Yeah. What is that whole thing? Is that is that like just like what like doing arduous tasks each day? Is that yeah, like a philosophy? Know, he wrote thirty five books. Wow. In his in his lifetime, you know, wow. he died because of his time uh, in the Amazon. The guy the guy just it was one challenge after another, and he created this philosophy called the strenuous life. And he wrote, I think there's a famous um, uh, speech about it. Okay. Um, but you know the. I try to model that for our kids. Mm-hmm. I try to model that for my own kids. It's something that we want our kids to buy into. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of issues that we cannot solve for kids that involve trauma and neglect. Um, and we're not equipped to, to solve those. We are not trained psychologists. But in my experience, 
a child that dedicates himself or herself to a, a, the strenuous disciplined life um, will grow out of a lot of that stuff, will learn to manage a lot of that stuff, will build themselves into a person um, that can handle those things. And there is a toughness and there is a vulnerability there. Um, and there's just kind of a self-awareness piece. Um, what do you think the biggest challenges think is, is profound? facing your kids are? Like when you, a common theme you see across a lot of them. Learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. Yeah. You know, I think the system, um, I think that goes for a lot of, I mean, I think it goes for some of the adults we deal with. And and um, not just you know parents, but but coaches and you know just adults who um, I don't I don't know if learned helplessness is the right. It's not helplessness. It's I think it's like a lack of ambition. Mm. You know, kids coming, particularly kids coming out of COVID right now, who sat in apartments by themselves for you know sixteen months. There's there's some real. Heavy stuff there. I don't think we know the damage from all that yet. Oh, uh, it's it's profound. Really noticeable. It's profound. Oh wow. It's and it's only gonna the as the research bears out, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, and so it's it's and a lot of it comes down to you said this to me one time. It's like not just being around positive mentors, right? Like if you're born in a certain situation, you don't see someone doing the right thing all the that's time. That's it. It's it, that. That's why I think I, I want to walk back that learned helplessness thing. If you don't know it, you can't be it. You know, and that that's a real thing. And so, if kid, I think there's a lot of city kids that have never grown up around excellence or high expectations. And there's nothing against their parents or anybody. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I, I, I want to be very careful here and sensitive to, because I don't. I'm not blaming anyone for this. Um, but I do think people crave it. You take a kid like Monica, who is looking for something. Somebody push me. Somebody, somebody help me. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody help me achieve. Um, and that's a real thing. And those kids are all over in the city. And, and, but those opportunities are not. And so now you come to beat the streets and you start buying in and you, and you come to some wrestling practices and you connect with a coach and some teammates. And next thing you know, you're being pulled into the enrichment and, and then you're, three, you're, 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 a, you're a 360 kid and uh, you're being pushed in every area of your life. You're, the expectations are very high, the consistency and that we're, we're, we are always present. We are always there. I mean, that's why we 360 degrees, 360 days a year, you know, and, and, um, um, that I think is the anecdote to what's going on in the city. I I believe. Yeah. I, you know. And I think we're going to do it for as many kids as we can. And I think a lot of it goes back to the sign you have on the door. It, this is a safe space, but it used to be. Don't you dare get comfortable. And it I says, think uh, don't don't expect to be comfortable. Okay, there so, it is. It's like because so. we've all seen you know even like as a kid, right? There was like there was the church in town where like after schools so you go to a skate park there, eat pizza. It's a hangout. But there's nothing else, right? You're, there's no, there's no lessons learned, right? It's better than being on the streets, right. definitely. But when they're done, it's like, you know, what do you take from it? And that's like one of the things that really sticks with me and like a lot of maybe business people who want to donate. It's like this isn't just they're coming, you're hanging out, getting, you know, eating free food. These kids are working in here. No, oh yeah, this they're is- being pushed, and they are uncomfortable a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of breakdowns, and there's a lot of arguments, and there's a lot of because they're being pushed. Yeah, you can be here but you are going to be great or you're going to die trying. And, and, you know, I give you an example. I was with Cam who was on the, who was on the WGN thing with me 
And Cam was not really a beat. He's now like an adopted as an adult beat the streets guy. Okay. Right? He was a Harvey Twister, grew up on the South Side, went to Bowen High School. Um, he's very much that story. Okay. He was not living a life he was very proud of. He decided to get out of that life, and he's, he's now with Coach Duggan, who we are very close with, who's an amazing coach and man. So he's with a great mentor now. Tim Duggan? Tim Duggan, the man. He's at, at Triton? At Triton. Don't so mess Cam, with that dude. No, no. That's, a, that's the baddest looking dude in Chicago. So, I'll tell you a story about him. Go um, ahead. So he, uh, um, I'm sitting there with Cam, and I said, you know, we start talking about his future. And he and I'm starting, you know, this, this, this. I'm making him, I'm, you know, he has no answers for me. What's the next two years look like? What's the next five years look like? Why are you going to be a psychology major? What are you going to do professionally with that? Okay, if you don't know what you're going to do, let's just get you into the, let's just get you into a trade. Let's get, you know, you know, so I'm pushing him in all these areas. And he's like, Powell, man. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no Powell, man. You don't get to have a freak out and then we stop this. The next time I see you, I want to plan on your phone. So sit down with Duggan and formulate a five and a 10 year plan. Whether you execute on that plan or not is, is one thing, but you have no idea where you're going right now. And on the way, I drove him and Don't shoot and him Devante. like that. Hit him straight like that. That's how we do it, man. I mean, that's that's the that's the truth part, right? The, the trust, love, and truth. So, it's the most important one. So, I, on the way to um, Triton with Devante and and Cam, after he's a little time to reflect, but he goes, "Paul, I'm going to do that. I needed that. I, I'm going to do that." Wow. So then I turned to Devante and he said, you're going to ask me the same questions, aren't you? I said, I want to start talking to you about what, what does this look like? And Devante knows what he wants to do now. He's, he's in fire sciences at Triton. He's going to get his EMT and he wants to be a Chicago fireman and a beat the streets coach. So Perfect. That's a good life. Man, that's a great life. life. Yeah, I was just, I was hanging out with a friend of mine who's a fireman and like they're, the time off they have and like the best part about it is not the time off, not the flexibility, not the money. When you're working, you're hanging out with your buddies. Yes, dude. Bunch of like-minded dudes like, lifting weights I would stuff. kill to spend yes. 24. I'm in an yes. office by myself making cold calls. I'm like, <laughs> I would, what I would do to be around a bunch of guys in a firehouse just hanging out. Like, it's a great deal. And yeah. if you develop a skill. Some of those guys are in unions on their days off. I mean, oh, some yeah. of those guys are making real They dog. got rental properties. They got side jobs. Or Those guys so, are hustling. So, yeah. man, we could go on and on mm-hmm. about all this stuff. That's just, I think it's just so cool what you're doing for Chicago. It makes us proud. We're both proud of Illinois. Thank you. You're taking people out to Fargo. I mean, you and Medlin got the whole Fargo King started. Back, back in the that's, day, was, that's, that's Medlin. That's, uh, um, can, I, can I wrap up the Navy Pier mural story? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I'm in so rush. I am, our, our, our gala this year is on the top of Navy Pier at the offshore rooftop. And so we're, we're going to kind of, kind of the whole theme of the year is what used to be, what went away, and what we're bringing back. Mm-hmm. And so part of that mural is Monica and Devante and Cam. So there's modern day pictures up too. But the mural celebration will be some modern day guys and a lot of old heads that'll be here. We'll bring some donors in, some board members. Um, Samer Kaur, who, who lent us the money for our TIF funding, they're going to come here and do a ribbon cutting. Our alder woman is, is invited. Um, so Get the politics going. Yeah, so we're, so, and the idea is this theme of um, bringing back high expectations and, and great opportunities that are geographically and financially accessible. Wow. The days of Navy Pier are over, but the days of Pizza Street Chicago have begun and opportunities abound now. And so it's, it's kind of come full circle. And I think the beauty of what we're doing now is we're creating an organization that is both sustainable, mm-hmm. um, but will be well-funded and, and will exist well after I'm gone. 
And so it's so that's something like the organizational excellence. It's so much beyond just wrestling. It's like like Kathy and everyone on that end of it. It's just like man, that's, it's a well-oiled like nonprofit business. I don't want to say business because yeah. it's nonprofit. It's, it's a like, business. It's we a, business. Run a business. Yeah, it's we well run, we have, oiled. Yeah. It is, it is a very well-run, and we're getting better always. And the number we're, one thing people are going to message me about, and this is so, not something to be taken lightly. They're like, hey, I want to start to beat the streets in my hometown. I like your message for them. What is it? Basically, hey, start by volunteering at a, at a local club maybe, right? Because like starting to beat the streets is no joke. And I know ben, It is way harder than you think it is. Right. And, and we are very protective of the name and the brand for good reason. Right, because there's there were some nefarious folks out there before mm-hmm. um, using the name. So it has to be a, a character first, child driven organization, mm-hmm. child centered. Um, has to be focused on human development before wrestling. Mm-hmm. And um, but I, starting a beat the streets is a great, it's it's a really ambitious goal. But you could start a nonprofit wrestling club in your town with fifty kids and do the same work. Mm. And if you build it to 100 or 150 kids, give us a call. If you have a funding strategy and you understand, you're starting to learn a little bit about how to recruit board members for a nonprofit and, and you're scholarshiping kids and you're doing the work, give us a call. That's you know, And so um, there are some emerging cities right now, Phoenix, Austin, a couple, you know, St. Louis was on the docket. They kind of pulled themselves back for now. Um, and we're really excited about those things. St. Louis pulling back, we don't resent that. We're happy with what they're doing. They're doing really good work down there. Mm-hmm. And um, they just weren't quite ready. Yeah. You know, and... Um, Phoenix would be a good one. Phoenix is... Every city needs one. I mean, yeah. literally, Peoria, Illinois needs one. Des Moines, you know? yeah. But you could start a 100-person club in Peoria, Illinois called, you know, Peoria Wrestling Club that does tutoring after school. Mm-hmm. And you could do it on a very small scale and... Um, and you could be wildly impactful. Yeah. You don't have to have a, you know, it doesn't have to be an organization of two or 3,000 kids. It can be 100 kids. <laughs> two or 3,000 kids is so absurd for a wrestling club. I'll tell you what, we had, last year we had 66, regi- uh, uh, 6,600 registrations wow. <clears throat> throughout all our systems, three, over 3,000 kids. Wow, that's amazing. And, and 1,300 of those kids. So we serve a lot of kids that are part of other clubs. Or high schools, right? Right. Come to us for one or two things or just summer camp or um, or they join the Life Champions Academy. You, w- there's a ton of things. You there's a, yeah. gr- tons of ways. They come from the Doug Schwab clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, but 1,300 of those kids are exclusive. Over 1,300 are exclusively ours. They're kids that are carded and, and, and are identified first and foremost as Beat the Street. So pretty it's like- cool. That's, I mean, the average youth club in Illinois, maybe 30, 40 kids. You just got yeah. 1,300. Yeah. I mean, that's just, God, you could have your own tournament just to beat the streets kids. I yeah. mean, pretty we had, much. We had kids at the, at the IKWF state tournament from one, two, three, from five sites last year wow. that we run. Wow. Um, this year it'll be six or seven. That's fantastic, man. I got to get up to the uh, to the Avondale one just to see. Man, I just want to poke my head and see the practice. Like it's you, you go to a practice as someone who, as a coach or like a mentor, like you leave, you just feel so excited after having a conversation with a kid. Oh yeah. Like when I came and filmed the duels, it was in December, over at um, I can't remember where it was. At, a huge complex. Um, but like you, you have one or two conversations with some of the kids I interviewed, and like these kids are vulnerable. They'll open up. Way more than like adults are pretty guarded. Like these kids, though, you give them a little bit of attention, they'll tell you some things, and it's like it's also a lot of it's heart wrenching. You know, oh, like what yeah. they got to go home to. Like oh, yeah. their mom isn't. Or it's just you, you name it. These kids will say it. But it's like, do you see a lot of that vulnerability with these kids? 
Um, yes and no. It depends yeah. on the kid. You know, a lot of it is directly related to how deep a relationship you have with them. Right. So I, I think the beauty of wrestling and where the growth comes from is you're forced to be vulnerable. You put on a bathing suit and have to go get your butt whipped by another girl or boy yeah. under a spotlight, you know? So there's a vulnerability that's innate in wrestling, that particularly if you're really training hard and really committing yourself. You're putting yourself out there in a way that um, forces you to deal with your demons. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, really, yeah. and unlike anything else in sport. So. Well, the one thing we'll wind down with is, you know, first and foremost, I think you think of you as a coach and your big motto is trust, love, truth. If there's someone who's, yeah, whether they're in Chicago or not, they're listening to the show, they want to get involved with coaching. What do you think are like some of the most important tenets for a coach to follow when you're working with either high school or, or youth kids? Number one, check your ego at the door. You know, I have a healthy ego. Um, <laughs> and... and uh, um, but that was a big rule for us at Oak Park. It was, we had a bunch of alpha alphas, you know, it was a bunch of men that all could have ran their own wrestling programs who just checked that ego at the door. If you're going to walk into a room, I don't care if you're a three-time D1 All-American, if you're going to walk into a room, you need to be humble and ready to invest in a way. And I'll give you a good example. Nick Nelson, this guy, reached out to me. I think he actually reached out to Siebert and Siebert never got back to him. So he reached out to me and I think he's a round of 12 guy at Virginia. So he's very smart. He ended up being Alex Madrigal's coach, Jay Renteria's coach, Tony Madrigal. You know, the, he ended up being absolutely like instrumental for us. Hmm. But he didn't need any kind of limelight. He didn't. He just came in and and was just like, "Can I grab this guy and go in the corner with him?" You know, it was that type of thing. Coach, what do you need from me today? Mm-hmm. So, sometimes Nick ran the room. Sometimes he's meeting guys before school at 6 a.m. to do one-on-ones. He was just finding ways to add value always. It was never about him. Mm. And what I find is, particularly with young macho male coaches, is they want to be seen. They want to be the man. There's a lot of that. Ah, I don't like the way this guy does things, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be part of his program anymore. Nobody who's not in charge is. You're gonna see holes in everything. Mm-hmm. If I sat in Mike Boyd's practice today, I could pick it apart. He's the best coach in Chicago. You know what I mean? Because we that's the we're critical human beings, right? Yeah. But if you if you want to be impactful and you don't have any of that and you're just there to add value, you'll find ways to add value. And if you're a, a twice a week guy, you know, pick two or three kids. Just make those guys yours. Ozzie Porter and Doc Towns will change my life because they showed up, they showed up two days a week to Oak Park's wrestling room mm-hmm. in 1993 and 1994. I am forever in debt to those men. I would have never gone to college. I would have never graduated college without those men. Now, there's a lot of other men that were part of that journey too. Those guys came with no agenda. Mm. They they just they they came. They whipped me. They talked me up. They came. They whipped me. They talked me up. And. Uh, <laughs> Um, it was, you know, th- that's, that's who you want to be as a coach. Now, if you want to be a, a real coach coach, you know, there's, that's a different story. But if you're talking about walking into a room for the first time, yeah, just, just be humble and, and find ways you can add value. We've all seen those coaches where like they start coming in and then they don't like what's going on. So they'll develop a little faction of kids. And next thing you know, they're breaking off, starting their own club. And it's just like, yeah, I hate that. You yeah, know, it's a, like, yeah. that's the worst. So, so. I, I watched um, Niall Collins coach for, I think he, I was with him for four years before I got to be head coach. And I didn't agree with a lot of what he did. And now 
I look back and none of that really was important. The things he actually taught me about being a real coach, he sat me down once and said, are you ready to be a real coach? And I'm like, coach, what the F are you talking about? I'm a D1 All-American, you know, I'm, <laughs> and he, and he, you know, that's what I was thinking in my head. And he yeah. says, uh, um, real coaches show up half an hour early. They clean the room. They stay late and they talk to kids. They drive kids home. You're here three minutes before practice and you're gone before I'm t- done talking to the team. You're not a real coach. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I'm like, he was right. Yeah. He, it changed me forever. Wow. I was the first guy in the door and last guy to leave from then on. And, um, you know, there's, he had, there's a hundred lessons like that for, for, mm-hmm. from Nile. So you can learn something from everybody. Niall never wrestled. That's crazy. And half the time, he wouldn't ask me to show moves. I mean, if I, within a little while, he let yeah. me do a lot of the technique. But I had, to, I had to push him on it. Hey, let me show some stuff. Come on, coach, let me plan practice. And he'd say, you're not organized enough, or you're not ready, or, you know, okay. And so he was kind of, he just, um, wow. I learned so much from him. You know, he helped me really develop. Can you imagine so, being a wrestling coach without ever wrestling? But it kind of it kind of reminds me of something... I don't know who put this on Twitter. It's like, you take like the top five college football coaches like Dabo, Sweeney, Nick Saban, and like you give them like a mid-major wrestling program. Like just knowing they would hire the right people. Like they could run the shit out of it, you Mm, know? That, don't get me started on that. Really? Well, here's the deal. So, I mean, my my high school wrestling team was raising between 80 and $100,000 a year when when I stepped away. We ran a real organization. We started at 501c3. We, we, we had a non-profit, you know, we, we had a board. We had, we had par- heavy parent involvement. We, had, we built a community. Um, you look at, and then I went to Beat the Streets and I've learned so much about how to really run an organization, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at these coaches and they, they get hired because ADs don't know any better. They just hire a great wrestler who went after college and went to the OTC or, or lift, worked at an RTC. They've never had a real job. They don't have executive functioning. Mm-hmm. These guys are, are, are get, be given jobs that they are not set up to be successful on. And so, and yeah. this is not, I'm not angry at anybody. I'm not criticizing anybody. If I was the coach of a Big Ten program, I would go find somebody who can run a great organization and can fundraise. I mean, NIL now has completely changed the game, you know, a hundred times more than the RTC did. But now you got to raise money for an RTC. You got to raise money for an NIL. You know, you have to run an organization. You need to raise money to go find a great director of operations so you don't have to do that stuff. Yeah. You, know, you have to do... So there's all these things that these guys need now that uh, the college coaches, basketball coaches have. Yeah. You know, that's, that's Coach K had it. Oh, yeah. You know, John Wooden had it. This idea that you have to be an NCAA champ to run a, a program. I think Tony Erson's a good example of that. He was a good college wrestler, but not elite, elite. Um, I think he runs a really nice program. At Purdue? And, yeah, I think he's a good coach, yeah. and he's, a very, he's very organized. And, and, uh, but I think he is the model where we need guys with really high-level executive functioning and some real skills. Go work in the business world for 10 years. You know, half those guys, you know, they if they came and, and lived in your world or my wife's world or the world that Kathy came from, or you know, they, they would have a very steep learning curve. Yeah. Just like managing like an email calendar is like, yes. like stuff like that. That's it's, why we're doing this with our young coaches. Yes. Fine. You know, a lot, it's 50% of the coaches you is executive functioning. Because, mm-hmm. man, if you are not planning ahead, if you're not looking at your calendar every day when you wake up, if you're not looking at your calendar a month off, if you're not thinking about your season, if you're not organized about that, you're not going to be a very good coach. Yeah. It's funny. When I was 
what you said reminded me of, I was interviewing Kevin Dresser, and before he was at Virginia Tech or Iowa State, he was at Christiansburg High School in Virginia. Yep. And he goes, the first thing we did, he's like, I found a loophole that if you ran a bingo night, you could count that money as like nonprofit money. So the first thing we did was you build a budget, 260K a year. And that was how we put our kids to Fargo. So it's like, you need some level of money, right? And it's like, you and, and organization mm-hmm. and moving people in the right direction and lead, real leadership, mm-hmm. you know, and somebody who's willing to answer a call at three o'clock on a Sunday, despite the fact that they're sitting with their family. You know, there's a right. lot of that stuff that just the, the little things that add up to running a real organization. And I, I, I think that's what coaches need to think, particularly these D1 guys. I think they need to think about themselves as a, as a leader of an organization and not a head wrestling coach. The days of, of Dan Gable getting on the mat with you and making you great, they're over. Yeah. Tom Brands, I think, is out fundraising. These kids are so good Mostly. now coming in, too. Yes, they're, oh, so, they're good. Look at Morgan. Oh, my look at, gosh. Look how she's ready to wrestle in the senior circuit right now. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, they're coming in. Like this Davino kid, he's probably an impact player from day one. Ben Davino, you know? yeah. And um, yeah, it's fun, man. I know we didn't talk a lot about the wrestling season, but it's first day of college practice today. This time of year, today, yeah, cool. This time of year just gets me pumped. Like football season's going, leaves are changing, and wrestling's coming up, man. It's it's fantastic, and I just I'm I'm humbled to be here. I'm humbled to, to count you as a friend, man. So thanks for having us in, and thanks Thank for doing. You. Any Thank last you. words, I, man? Did we cover no, anything? No, man, I, I appreciate what you have done for Beat the Streets in terms of exposure for us. I love your podcast. I Thank love you, what brother. you're doing. Um, I'm excited about building the wrestling community in Chicago. So yes, thank sir. you for the platform. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Coach. Folks, thanks for listening to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. To support the show, please go to our online store and check out our merch. It's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have stickers, hoodies, t-shirts. Again, it's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. Check out the merch store, and we'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!